Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on January 3rd, 2016, on the basis of Luke 2, verses 22 through 40. The man who ranked seventh on the list of people that Americans were most interested in during 2015 is former NBC Nightly News anchor Brian Williams. At least if you measure that by the number of times that his name was typed into a Google search engine this past year. You might recall back more towards the beginning of 2015, Brian Williams sort of got himself into a lot of hot water over some misrepresentations and ultimately false claims that he had made about his journalistic experiences. One in particular sort of brought him a lot of heat. He had claimed that back in 2003, he had been on a helicopter that was carrying a group of elite U.S. Navy SEALs into Iraq under enemy fire. Brian Williams took that event of some historic significance, that event that that only involved the most elite company of people, and he said, you know what, I was there except that it turns out he wasn't. Now, I would guess that, that all of the trouble that came Brian Williams' way as a result of those misrepresentations wasn't just so much due to the fact that he had been dishonest or been inaccurate. As a journalist, obviously, you want to be very honest and very accurate in all of your reporting. And yet, I would guess that if Brian Williams had simply said that that helicopter had been carrying say, a dozen Navy SEALs, when in reality there were 15 of them, I'm guessing that he'd still be on the nightly news. No, instead, Brian Williams proved that when you make that statement, when you say, I was there, you're kind of saying something important. When you take an event that has some sort of historic significance or popular significance, and you say, I was there, you are making a statement that carries substantial weight. You see, that statement, those three simple words, I was there, they really draw a very definitive line. They draw a circle around a very specific group of people, usually a small group of people, and they divide everyone into two groups, those who are inside that circle and those who are outside that circle. Saying, I was there, makes it very clear, yeah, when it comes to that circle, I'm in. I'm on the inside. You know, I think when it comes to this whole Christianity thing and this whole church thing, a lot of people view it that way. They view a relationship with God almost as uh, an I was there sort of thing. The kind of thing where there are two groups of people. There are insiders and there are outsiders. And whether it's because of your own worth because of the family that you were born into, or maybe just because of plain luck, you are in one of those two groups. You're either an insider or an outsider. And if you are convinced that you're an outsider, it might be very difficult to consider the possibility that no matter what you might do, no matter what might happen, no matter how hard you might try, that you could possibly be in. Just like if you're an insider, sometimes it's very easy to be convinced that no matter what you might do, no matter what might happen, you could never possibly be 
out. In fact, whether you are here today, as all of you are, or whether you are not, even that doesn't settle the issue entirely. I'm guessing there are people here today, maybe even people who are here each and every week, who, who still sort of struggle with whether or not they're really in. Just like there are people who are not here today, in fact, people who are not in any church on a very regular basis, who still are convinced that no matter what might happen, no matter what they might do, they could never really be out. Now, it's understandable that at a certain period in time, people would have thought that way and people would have felt that way. Back in the Old Testament, God sort of set things up that way. And you heard about that in today's first lesson. For quite a long period of time, God made it clear, if you want a relationship with God, if you want to be in good with the religious community, then you need to be there. Namely, in God's temple. You heard how Solomon dedicated this beautiful building that he had constructed according to the plans of his father David, how the priests brought that Ark of the Covenant into the very innermost room, the most holy place, and how when they did smoke, the glory and majesty of the Lord filled that room. God was making it very clear, this is where I am. If you want to meet with me, you have to be right here. The only problem was that so often, and for so many reasons, people weren't allowed to be right there. In fact, for more than a month, Jesus' own mother Mary had not been allowed to be there in the temple. Back in Old Testament times, there were all kinds of things that you could do, all kinds of things that could happen to you that would result in you being declared ceremonially unclean, unworthy to set foot in God's temple where God was. And believe it or not, one of them was giving birth. If a woman gave birth to a son, she was ceremonially unclean for 40 days. Now, this wasn't at all any sort of chauvinistic sort of discrimination against women. But you might recall that going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when sin first entered the world, one of the consequences that came along with it, specifically for women, was the pain and difficulty that they experienced during childbearing. After all, that's why we call that process labor, right? And so the period of healing that is needed after a woman gives birth to a child is only needed because sin is a reality in our world. And so while that period of healing was going on, God declared that those women who had given birth were unclean, unworthy to set foot in God's temple. That included Jesus' mother, Mary. You see, God was communicating a very powerful and important message to his people in a very vivid way. On the one hand, he was saying, if you want to meet with me, you need to be right here. But on the other hand, he was saying that sin, in every shape, in every size, in every quantity and every quality, sin makes you unworthy to be in God's presence. God was saying, where I am, you are unworthy to be. And even the woman that God had picked to be the mother of Jesus was no exception. 
Now, as good as God was at communicating that message back in the Old Testament, I think he's just as good at that today. Would you agree with me on that? In fact, if you're not convinced, if you're uncertain that, that sin makes you unworthy to be in God's presence, I probably wouldn't dream of trying to convince you of that today. I mean, I could try my best, and, and maybe it would work. It's just that I know someone who would be much better at doing that job. I know someone who knows you so much better than I do, and I know someone who is good at being critical of you much more than I could ever be. Of course, I'm looking at that person right now. You look at that person every time you stand in front of a mirror. That voice inside of you that tells you, that reminds you, that nags you day after day about your sin, about your failings, about every way in which you've let God down and let others down and as a result are unworthy to be in God's presence. But you know, here's the thing, that voice that's inside of us, inside of us by God's design that teaches us that important lesson, turns around and also makes it very difficult for us to believe the good news that God has for us in his word. The good news that God delivers to us at Christmas. That voice that's inside of us takes that message that the angels delivered to the shepherds, that today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you, and it says, well, sure, probably to you, and you, and you, and you, but not me. No way to me, not after what I've done, not with who I am. That voice is the reason why, for some of us, maybe all of us at times, it's difficult to believe that when it comes to this relationship with God that we can really be certain that we're in. In fact, if you've ever felt that way, maybe if you feel that way today, what do you suppose it would take to convince you otherwise? To make you 100% confident of where you stand with your God? Does it seem like it would take a miracle at times? Would you be willing to consider that, that exactly what it would take is the story that we've got in front of us today? This story of Mary and Joseph going to the temple and meeting these two people named Simeon and Anna. A story like this doesn't seem like a whole lot seems sort of like ordinary ho-hum events, and yet this story represents a seismic shift in the way that God dealt with his people and the way that people met with their God. So now this 40-day period of uncleanness was up, this period of purification that Luke describes. And so Mary and Joseph go to the temple with Jesus, just like the law required them to do. The very first man they meet is this man named Simeon. Simeon is described as being righteous and devout. In other words, here was a man who could truly say, I was there. He probably went to the temple each and every day to meet with his God. And yet as he went to the temple this day, he knew that something was going to be different, that something special was going to happen. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that in the temple that day, he would meet, he would see Israel's long-awaited Messiah. And sure enough, as Mary and Joseph walked up, God revealed to Simeon that 
this was the family, that this was the child, and so he went over and held Jesus in his arms. Next, Mary and Joseph meet this woman named Anna, a prophetess. We're actually told that she was in the temple each and every day. She too could say, I was there, I went to meet with God day after day, and yet she too realized the special thing that was going on. And she too saw the Savior and praised God for what he had done. But you know, to me, the most remarkable statement in the whole story comes right at the very end. Those last couple of verses that almost seem to be like filler verses. Verses that do nothing more than transition us from this story into the next one. Here's what Luke says. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Did you catch that? Mary and Joseph went to Galilee with Jesus. In other words, when Mary and Joseph left that day, they sort of smuggled God right out of his own house. As they walked away from God's house that day, they were carrying and holding God in their arms. As they left God's temple that day, they were taking God's temple with them. I think you'd agree that the way that God deals with mankind, the way that mankind meets with its God, would never, ever, ever be the same. A seismic shift is taking place here. No longer would God's house be made out of brick and mortar. God's house, God's temple, God's presence among mankind was now made out of flesh and blood. That's why Simeon was so excited when he saw the Savior. That's why he could say, Lord, now you dismiss your servant in peace. In peace. The attitude of knowing with 100% confidence exactly where you stand with your God. That's what Simeon had. And friends, that's what you and I can have as well. When it comes to a relationship with God, never once do we have to worry about being able to say, I was there. Never once do we have to think about going to a particular place or or doing a certain set of things because Jesus was willing to come here and Jesus was willing to do everything required for our salvation. You and I can have that same absolute 100% confidence because that line that separates the insiders from the outsiders, that line that God himself had drawn, that line God himself erased forever when he took all of his glory, all of his majesty, and he packaged it all up in the body of Jesus Christ. And friends, if you and I are ever tempted to doubt that, if we're ever struggling with having that peace, even more good news God has for us today. Paul tells us that we can tap into a limitless supply of the very same peace that Simeon had in his heart any time that we want. After telling the Christians in Colossae that they should let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts, Paul tells them how. He says, let the word of Christ, the message about Jesus, dwell among you richly. 
as you teach and admonish one another, as you sing psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. You see, just as God's dwelling among man went from bricks and mortar to flesh and bones in Jesus Christ, now God is with us. God's presence is among us in the message about him, in his word, in the gospel. Every time that we gather to hear that word, every time that we gather to feast on the meal that he prepared, Jesus makes himself here with us just as much as Simeon held him in his arms. In fact, even more than that, it would be a crying shame if we were to look at the story where Jesus, where God made it very clear that his presence was no longer confined to a building, if we then turned around and confined God's presence in our lives to this building. In your homes, when you open the word of God, when you read a devotion that speaks of Jesus, when you sing a hymn that sings of Jesus. Jesus is there just as surely as Simeon held him in his arms. In fact, when you do those things with your spouse, when you do those things with your children, you're really doing exactly what happened here this day. You're walking over to them with Jesus in your arms and you're allowing them to see, allowing them to hold Jesus himself and to have the peace and the certainty of salvation that only he can bring. I don't know if you realize this, but here in our worship, we very often use the words that Simeon sang in response to seeing his Savior, Jesus. For centuries, Christians have used those words. It's a song that often goes by the Latin title, Nunc Dimittis, which means, Now You Dismiss. For centuries, Christians have used that song. Sometimes it's at the close of services that are at the end of a day. Sometimes it's in services even on Sunday mornings, especially when we have Holy Communion. We're going to sing that song at the end of our service today. It's a little bit strange when you think about it. We say exactly what Simeon said. We say, Lord, now you can dismiss your servant in peace. Because my eyes have seen your salvation. Sort of sounds like what Brian Williams tried to pull off. It's almost as if we are saying, just like Simeon, I was there. I saw Jesus. I held Jesus. I have Jesus and the peace that he alone can bring. Of course, when we say it, the wonderful thing is that it's actually true because of God's promise. Friends, when it comes to having a relationship with God, when it comes to knowing with absolute certainty that we are in, the good news God has for us today is that you didn't have to actually be there. You didn't have to be there in the temple. You didn't have to be there at the stable. You didn't have to be there at the cross or at the empty tomb either because in love, God comes here to be with us. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.